Welcome to the That's My Financial Guy podcast with Brian Haney, founder of The Haney Company, financial guru who looks great in pants and helps people understand their finances. So I hope you enjoyed our earlier podcast session on how we work with the association community. And this time we're going to be talking about how do we work with privately held businesses or small businesses, and also with families and individuals. What are the ways that we engage? And also, what's the framework that we operate under when we examine things financially? You know, it's important to have not just an understanding of of the things that you're going to want to execute, whether it's an insurance plan, whether it's, you know, life insurance, whether you're considering some form of investment, but it's also helpful to know what are some of the questions that you want to ask and maybe have a a framework that you're going to be operating out of. And so we're going to get into that today. A private business, I think oftentimes, you know, it is its own animal and, and the owners of a business see it in a very unique way. There's something very personal about running a company. And regardless of what industry you're in, a part of your Identity is usually inherently tied into your company. And so um, that's an important, I think, framework to operate on. It's, you know, how do I allow my company to be as successful as it can be? How do I maximize its profitability? And how do I then make sure that at some point as an owner, I can step away from this, not just financially intact, but I can step away and see this business passed on and continue to thrive because it matters to me. It matters that the business is successful. That's why I'm doing it. So that is a a very important framework of understanding that when we work with a private business, we want to make sure that we understand what it is about the business that's special and what it is that the owner sees as special and all the parties that are responsible for the success of that business and that we really agree on that because we can engage in any way by executing certain financial products or frameworks, but if we don't have that starting agreement that this is what my company is all about, then we can miss the boat because that's what the company, I think that's what as an owner you're going to see. You're going to see your company differently than anybody else will. And so it's important that the professionals that you work with as an owner have that shared vision of what you're trying to do. What do we need to do to make your company as successful as it can be? How do you provide benefits, right, to attract and retain the best talent and talent that will then buy into your business vision? I've never met a business owner who says they don't really care if their employees stay. <laughs> in fact, turnover is is a killer for businesses in any industry, right? So you know, the last thing that we want to do is constantly spending so much time trying to hire new people because nobody is staying with us long enough for it to really make an impact. So what are the things about the employees that you're trying to hire? What what about those jobs, those descriptions, and their roles in your organization are going to be important for us to be aware of so that we, we line up the benefits accordingly, right? And this has as much to do with understanding your job descriptions and the market for those job descriptions as it does anything else. And realizing that the the most talented people you're going to be looking at have 
other competitors in your industry landscape and in the broader market landscape that you operate in who are trying to get the same talent to come and work for them for an extended period of time. So you want to make sure that the benefits have that intended carrot appeal, that people will come there and say, wow, you know, this really is a great program that you're offering, not just the, the competitive salary, but the benefits as well undergird that value proposition and make me feel good about being here and excited about being here for a long period of time. And so that's part of the role that we want to take when we assess benefits and we step into that role with a business owner. And that's how you want to work with a professional. You know, you want to make sure that they don't just check the box, hey, we got to provide medical, dental, vision, all this stuff. But the things that we provide are market leading and line up with the things that our employees want. And benefits have changed. We're starting to see that there are new things that employees desire. uh, And certainly the younger employee population have different value points that maybe an older employee did or does. Things relating to student loan debt or even saving for college for young newly married families with young kids. So taking a look at benefits in a different framework and having the goal of how do I make this employee's life better through the benefits that I'm providing to them. And if you can answer that question, uh, then the likelihood that you're going to be delivering something that's really going to be unique and helps you retain those people is considerably higher than if you're just trying to check the box and just make sure, hey, you know, I know we need to do these six things, check, 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 and they don't cost us that much, great. When we work with private businesses, we want to protect that business from getting sued. I mentioned this before with associations, and the same thing is true when it comes to running a business. Whether you're selling a product or a service, doesn't matter how you're engaging in the marketplace, people may look at that and decide that you didn't do what you said you were going to do and level accusations against you that involve litigation. So we want to make sure that the business is buttoned up from a risk standpoint. So when we develop property and casualty solutions, we have that framework. We need to know what it is that you do in order to protect you as well as we can. And PNC, property and casualty insurance, is very much driven by claim. And so that's why, A, if you've ever been through an application process, your head may be exploding because there are a ton of questions that you're going to be asked, but they're important ones because every component of a policy deals with how you might suffer a loss or be litigated against. And so it's critical that we really see what it is you do and also understand what you don't do so that way the policies are designed to fit you properly. There is no boilerplate, one-size-fits-all program of insurance that everybody needs to engage with. There are definitely commonalities. There are certain things like workers' compensation, which are state mandated. So there are things you have to have, but each form of protection should be custom tailored to your company and what it does. So that way, when we see here are the risks, they're not just arbitrary risks, they're risks specific to how you operate. So you want to work with a broker that helps you in that capacity, right? That helps you thread together protection strategy for your company based on what your company does. And if you're confused about that, or maybe you're not entirely sure how that works, it might be a good opportunity to just have a conversation, to assess things. Uh, It never hurts to have a 
an insurance audit. It sounds like you know the non-narcotic cure for insomnia, and in some respects it could be, but it is critical because the last thing you want to be doing is operating your business as per usual, and something that you just didn't think about because you didn't have the conversation happens, and all of a sudden you're at a financial risk, and so is your business. So it's better to have the plan and the protection in place and to never need it than to need it and not have it. So make sure that, you know, whether you're working with us or somebody else, that those are the conversations you have that are critical and that you're setting programs up that fit and make sense. I think the last thing that we do is we help a business go through the various life cycles that a business goes through from startup to growth to market optimization and eventually to transfer. And because a, a business is different than a membership organization, right? Membership organizations you know, exist independent of kind of the the employees themselves. But a private business can be bought and sold. In fact, there's, you know, hopefully a good market for that. And that's a lot of the reasons why somebody starts a business to begin with is that they want to run it very successfully and then sell it one day. And so we want to make sure that we support you financially to make sure that from start to finish, your experience of running a company is optimized for you personally, professionally, and financially. Things like you know squeezing all the juice out of the proverbial orange of profitability, maximizing profitability over the life of your company. It's not something that you just do year over year when you file your taxes and then you make sure you don't pay too much in taxes. It's really looking at how are you making money? When are you making money? What can you do with your profits, with your returns strategically that will help you then improve your financial standing both now and in the future and also have enough of of a capital base to walk away successfully and be your own best negotiator when you do so. Most business owners I talk to say, yeah, at some point I want to sell my stake in the business or the business itself if I'm the sole owner. At some point I see that as being how I'm going to stop working. Most people don't tell me, oh, I'll just stop when I stop and that'll be it. You know, we want to sell the company or pass it along to somebody else. And that always sounds great. That's an exciting goal to have, but it's one where you have to critically understand what that looks like. What's that experience going to be like? How's it going to work? The most important thing is, especially if you're selling it to a dispassionate third party or maybe a competitor, somebody who's not currently working for you, you need to be your own best negotiator. And, and to be your own best negotiator at the time of sale means that you've done the right things financially to get to that place and to get to that point. Because what happens is what you want as a sales price and what you need, need to be two different numbers. And what we find is that when owners don't prepare the right way and it comes time for them to sell the business, what they want and what they need are the same number. And therefore, they're terrible negotiators because if the party they're trying to sell to isn't willing to meet them at that price, it's very hard for them to move away and they may never get what they need financially. So our job is to help you be financially prepared for that eventual moment to have done enough things in terms of managing your profits before you get to the selling point where you have things set aside that will help you walk away financially, not just okay for a year or two, but maybe have set you up considerably for retirement and for your future. And that means that 
if what you want for the company, somebody comes back and says, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to counter, I'm going to give you this. As long as it's above what you just need, you'll still be able to have a successful sale. And that transaction will give you the opportunity to really maximize things for yourself. If you're not working with a professional as a business owner who helps you prepare for that eventuality, then you want to reassess that relationship. And you want to make sure that your financial professional understands your business, understands what you want from it, and understands what your own personal goals are when you step away. These are critical things in developing whether it's executive compensation programs, in assessing retirement needs. There's a lot of financial instruments that can be developed strategically to make sure your company is maximally profitable for you as the owner, but you have to have that kind of a conversation. And that's what we do when we work with private companies. And the last thing that we do is we work with families, really people that work for a private business or the government or an association. And this is very, very personal. When we work with a family or an individual, we are trying to figure out how you can not have financial stressors in your life. And what are the decisions that you're trying to make based on what your family does and based on the life that you're trying to live? What are the things that can threaten your livelihood? What, what are things that, can, that we can do to improve your lifestyle both now and in the future? And the focus of the conversation is on you and on people. It's not on financial products. It's not on investing. It's not on insurance. I want to make sure that I have a real good understanding of how you live, why you do what you do, what things you enjoy about life. You know, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are the things that you want for if you're married, your spouse, and if you have kids? What, what do you want their futures to look like? And we want to build a plan uh, or uh, you know, install financial things according to that type of a vision. We really want to help you achieve that type of a life experience so that way you know when you come to a financial decision why you're making it. You're not just making it because I'm supposed to do this or everybody says I should have life insurance or I heard this thing on the radio that said I could get life insurance $2 million for $10 a month or, you know, lots of reasons why you might be considering this. Something as simple as life insurance is about making sure the life that you wanted to live with your family, they still get to live even if you don't. That's how you make life insurance decisions, not just what's cheap. You know, how do I save for retirement? What's the right investment strategy mix? Well, what do you want your retirement to look like? Where are you going to live? Who are you going to live with? What kind of a lifestyle you're going to have? Let's build a strategy that supports that. Let's not just talk about investment theory and diversification that's arbitrary. The way that I think a good financial professional or a financial advisor relationship works is by assigning purpose to everything. What is the money for? Or what is this product for? And when you align it with purpose, then it makes it easier to decide which product or which solution or which strategy fits best. If I'm saving for a house, great. Then that's a framework that we can operate under that we can target. These are the things that I should be doing. These are the types of things I should be considering saving into, right? And it also dismisses other things. So it's not arbitrary. Now I know what I'm trying to do and I have a goal in mind. And that gives us a framework and a process that we can follow. Not just, hey, 
everybody says I need to invest this way. So I'm going to do it because I heard it or I saw it online. We need to personalize that experience for you so that way you, you see why you're making this decision. And so there's four main concern areas that we try to focus on. And, and again, hopefully this will help you see the decision areas that you're going to be examining with your own professional. We want to make sure that you look at daily money management. This is really the theme and the thread of building any kind of financial plan or program is how do I optimize the money that comes in each and every single month, right? It's not just a budget. It's really seeing the thread of that and making sure that money gets directed to all the places it needs to get directed to as I go and as I grow. What things do I need to sacrifice? How do I triage? Let's say there are six things that I want to try to do, but I don't have enough money to do all six. What are the then the three most important things I must do? And then how do I set myself up to examine the other three at some juncture in the future? That's what it's looking like. How do I do the best I can with daily money management in order to accomplish all the things that I'm trying to set out to accomplish? The other thing is planning for the future. This is as simple as what are the things that you're saving for? And that doesn't just have to be retirement. And, and retirement seems like this big, ghastly word or a word that you know we're so disconnected from depending on our age or just depending on where we are in life that it doesn't even make sense. I like to joke, you know, saying, hey, what do you want to do when you retire is like saying, hey, do you want to go to the moon tomorrow? Like it just, we don't really have a concept for it. So saving really then becomes, well, let's, let's talk about lifestyle. Let's talk about the things we want to do. Saving should have those more tangible relational targets. Hey, I want my kids to go to college. Well, that's great. That's an image. I can see my kid. I can see little Sammy and, and Sally at Stanford and you know what they're going to be doing because Sammy just loves uh, engineering and Sally really likes animals and I think she's going to be a vet, right? That's a much more effective way to create a framework to say, okay, well, how do we, how do we substantiate that financially? And retirement should really look like, well, what's the lifestyle that I have right now that I want to project forward? I love doing this with my wife. I love traveling. I think I want to live in a place that's going to allow my kids to visit me. That'll help me determine what the cost of living is going to look like. There are a lot of things that we can piece together based on what we know today that'll help you project for tomorrow and make that a much easier decision to then say, well, this is how you should be saving, how much, and how you might allocate that savings accordingly. Planning for the unexpected is the third thing that we always talk about. And that's just the what ifs. What if you're sitting down with a financial advisor or an insurance person or a professional and you leave that meeting and you don't make it home? What are the consequences of that? What happens to your family? What happens to your kids? And based on those answers, if you don't like them, what are you going to do about it? It's a real assessment of risk based on the things that you care about and the people that you care about. We don't ever make insurance decisions arbitrarily. They always have a face. That's the why, right? Why did I buy this form of insurance? Is because I care about those people. I care about my wife. I care about my kids. And I would hate to have them go through an experience where they weren't okay financially. They may grieve me, but I don't want them to grieve money. That's how we talk about planning for the unexpected. Any kind of insurance that you set up as a result of that has to answer that question. The fourth financial concern area that we work on is one that I think is probably often overlooked. And we uh, 
call it planned major purchases. And the reason why I say I think people overlook it is, in my experience, a lot of times major purchases aren't as planned as we'd like to think that they are. While this isn't always a frequent need, you know, hopefully you're not making huge purchases year over year over year like a house or a car, it's still something that should be thoughtful and something that you should try to do in a broader framework to see how such a purchase fits back into the rest of your financial picture, how it connects back to your budget, how it will impact your lifestyle as it may relate to things that you may be saving for. And so just that it's not just a tunnel vision approach to, oh, we need to buy a car. Let's just go to the dealership and let's figure it all out. Let's have those experiences be a little bit more thoughtful and even planned. And even things like a, a significant vacation. I mean, really, the concept of a major purchase, that's a fairly subjective statement. What somebody considers major might be very different from one family to the next. And our role is just simply to make sure that that's part of our holistic conversation. So that way, when these things come up, or even as we think about them in the future, as we mentioned, you may be saving for one of them now, that we find effective ways to tie them all together. And this can also be a moment where we're, we're involving other professionals. I mean, the biggest purchase I think most people make is, is certainly real estate or, you know, the home that you live in. And this is where it's great to be able to have that kind of an experience working with a realtor as looking for a home and, and already maybe have done some due diligence about how it's going to be a lifestyle-based decision. You know, I think I've talked to a lot of clients and even some close friends who have made certain real estate decisions. And and really the nature of the conversation that we have is, you know, I thought that this is kind of what we were supposed to do. And we were at this point in our life when, you know, we had had kids and we were living in a smaller place and we needed to go and and get a bigger place. And because that's what you do. And and then they moved out of the area and all of a sudden, you know, they have a home, more space, and kind of they found what they were looking at, but what they really were, were saying is they didn't consider all the other parts of their lifestyle in this decision, and, and in some ways, they're regretting parts of it. I hear a lot of people talking about how, while it's great to have a house, you know, they've added literally hours of commuting a day to their life, and, and how you know, that now takes away, those hours are not being spent doing things that maybe are more valuable. They're certainly not being spent with family. And there are different considerations now for even, you know, what's easier, convenient to get to. If you were living in a more urban downtown area, maybe where you could walk or take advantage of public transportation, maybe now, if you're now in a more suburbs dynamic, you know, you have to get up and drive to just about everything, you know, the grocery store. And so, these may seem like small things, but they're not. I mean, in total and in context, these are important factors, but they're not always the kind of conversations you're having when you're looking at that decision. And good realtors hopefully are maybe talking through some of that with you, but a lot of times the focus is just really on the house. What are you looking for in the house? What do you want to have in your kitchen or your bathroom? How many square feet, etc.? Making sure that we're in a certain neighborhood, right? Again, all of these are really critical and important, the school systems and all that. But if it's disconnected from 
the bigger financial picture and really the conversation of lifestyle. What is my home really going to be for me? And making sure that that lines up as much as humanly possible. I find that those thoughtful, planned approaches are considerably more successful than you know the absence of those types of, of conversations. And so I think overall, if you're engaged and working with professional that's helping you address all of these four financial concern areas, that's going to be a real effective way to go about building your financial house, so to speak. And it also hopefully allow you to feel a lot more confident as you go about your financial daily lives and really your daily life in general. You know, knowing that you kind of have a plan, that you've taken a holistic approach, you're seeing the big picture, and also you have a partner, somebody that's a professional talking you through it and walking you through it every step of the way is critical. You know, these are not arbitrary decisions. And there is not a one-size-shoe-fits-all experience. Everything needs to have a why, and it's a personal why. It's, it's not a, the why that the financial guru on TV said it needs to be. It's your why, and that's about as important as anything else that you're going to be discussing financially. And so going back and aligning those purposes and making sure that it's it's a comprehensive conversation, not a tunnel vision or a very narrowly defined one is critical. So when you're considering working with a financial professional, a broker, advisor, what have you, you really want to be looking for a partner and someone that you know is going to help you in this decision-making process. You should likely want one that's comfortable making it a collaborative process and is comfortable with there being changes to it. You know, sometimes if somebody comes in and just wants to give you a financial plan and it's kind of rigid and it's a one-time thing and there may not be as much of an ongoing relationship, while that can be helpful to have, certainly you want to decide for yourself what is it that you really want and need from this relationship. Maybe if all you want is a plan and and you're willing just to, to pay for that experience, that might be a great fit. A lot of times, though, it, it's it, you're looking for the relationship itself, one that kind of evolves over your life and a partner that helps you address the things as they come up, as life happens. And so that's really where I think the value can be found. And we hope that, you know, as, as you now have a better framework for assessing things financially and looking at these relationships, we hope this will help you and certainly that if you have good relationships, it should reinforce why. And, and if you don't, maybe now you, you have the ability to go and make a change and make one based on what you're really looking to get out of a partner and somebody that you can work with. We covered a lot of ground looking at how uh, our practice works with small business owners and as well as, as individuals and families. And hopefully you found those elements of engagement helpful. We did discuss the framework for engagement, how we work to help our clients understand the decision-making process and really what the decision is, and also how the relationship ties into really a life-driven, lifestyle-focused experience, one that is should always be tailored to you and to your situation and to your needs. And I hope this is a helpful way for you to go about assessing your own situation and your own relationships. 
And if there are ways that we can help you further, we'd be happy to do so. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIP.